the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Friday morning. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Damian Collado. Hey, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Salud. It's Friday. <laughs> this week zipped by for me. I don't know why. Did it zip by for y'all? Seems like it was, it was a speedy one. I don't remember. <laughs> it was one of those. It was so fast. She still thinks <laughs> oh, it's Monday. That's right. That's right. Well, it yeah. is the first Friday of Advent. So our first week in Advent is already coming to a close, but it's also the Feast of Blessed Raphael Chalinski. So let's start this morning in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, stir up your power, we pray, O Lord, and come that you come with you to protect us. We may find rescue from the pressing dangers of our sins, and with you to set us free, we may be found worthy of salvation who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed Raphael Chalinski, pray for us. Pray for us. We have a great show for you today, starting off with Eric Miller in six minutes. He's a state advocate for the Louisiana State Council for the Knights of Columbus. He's going to be giving us their monthly update. In 18 minutes, Claudia McAdam joins us to talk about her book, The Christmas Light. This is such an adorable book. Stay with us. Claudia has written so many books, and she was actually just with us earlier, a few weeks ago, to talk about being an extra on the series The Chosen. So looking forward to speaking to Claudia again. And in 35 minutes, Father Jacob Dumont joins us. He is the local superior for the Legionaries of Christ in Cincinnati, Ohio. But today he's going to be talking about St. Peter's Parish in Covington and trusting in God through tragedy, confusion, and loss. As many of you know, uh, Father Jacob used to live on the North Shore in the Legionaries of Christ community uh, over there and spent many a times over in the Covington area. So he's going to be talking to us about that. And in 48 minutes, Alexandra Greeley joins us to talk about quite an interesting book called Catholics in the Kitchen, Nurturing the Bond Between Faith and Food. We always love to talk about food on Fridays. This is going to be a fun interview. I'm looking forward to this one. Yes, and looking forward to the weekend, right, gang? That's right. Because this yeah, week yeah. went by so fast, it's hopefully it'll <laughs> slow down for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday That's for right. us. That's right. But it is going to be another chilly morning like we had yesterday. Won't last long, though, because the temps are going to start rising rather quickly. And that's the good news. In fact, the high today is going to be 77. That's, I find that unusual yeah, for November. I agree. Wow. Or December now. For Look December. at me. Talk about moving fast. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. That's right. But th- the point is, that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a nice mm-hmm. day. few clouds here and there. Really no chance of rain. Tomorrow, possible isolated showers in the morning. But after that, it's going to be just like it is today. So you can expect that for Saturday. And uh, Sunday, 
Again, the high is going to be in the 70s. The low is going to be hanging around 60. So all three days should be pretty good in and out of a shower here and there, which will be few and far between. In in the meantime, temperatures in and around the area, New Orleans is 54, home of Thibodeau, 55. And on the North Shore, as well as Bay St. Louis and in Baton Rouge, all three reporting 46-degree temperures. Should be a good weekend. I'm ready for it. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Y'all got big be. plans? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to share We're it. Just I'm just out. thought I'd ask. Hey, it's Las Casadas <laughs> at Cypress Springs on Sunday. Well, good. That's a pretty fun thing to do. Hope to see you there. <laughs> That's right. I hope to see you there. All right. With that being said... We're going to say adios for just a few minutes, Las Posadas. And uh, don't go too far. Wake Up is coming right back. It's five after. A blessed Friday of the first week of Advent to you. Today's gospel comes from Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus passed by, two blind men followed him, crying out, Son of David, have pity on us. When he entered the house, the blind men approached him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I can do this? Yes, Lord, they said to him. Then he touched their eyes and said, Let it be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread word of him through all that land. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. It is Friday morning. Hopefully everyone is getting off to a good start. And we know when it comes to the Knights of Columbus of Louisiana, they are always doing something to get people off to a good start. And with us is Eric Miller, our good friend. He is the state advocate for the Louisiana State Council with the Knights of Columbus. And good morning, Eric. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Good morning. Hope everyone's doing warm and well there. (laughs) Yes, we are. Well, let's get started. What do you have right there at the top of your agenda? I know I have a few questions as to what the Knights have planned for the month of December, but what do you want to begin with? Well, we're uh, finishing up with our Christmas poster contest and our essay contest that we've uh, talked about before. Those are wrapping up and the councils are finishing up their competitions and getting their uh, winners in to the dice and administrators in the next week or so, because um, all that wraps up uh, at the end of this month. So we're looking forward to seeing some wonderful artwork on our Christmas posters and some uh, interesting and good articles in our essay contest. So yeah, we'll sp- let you know about those winners uh, next month when we get those in. Okay. And when it comes to, like, the poster contest, is there something that you guys do with it? Do you get it printed and display it all across the state? Uh, because the theme this year is Keep Christ in Christmas. And I was just wondering, I've, I've seen some billboards like that already, not necessarily by the Knights of Columbus, but it'd be kind of cool if you guys kind of highlighted the winner that way. Um, we, what we've done in more recently is get it up on our uh, website and our Facebook page. Okay, good. So we will have the winners there. Um, uh, um, so everyone can see who the winners are. So that's what we've done recently in the past. So yeah, so everybody can share it, you know, because before social media, you had to 
show up at a, <laughs> a meeting or a convention to see who the winner was. So, yeah, that's right. Um, Those are the benefits our, of the social media yeah. now, right? You can get word out or visuals out rather quickly. Good, good and bad. Good and bad, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, um, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, y'all also have your state family meeting coming up this weekend, and it's the annual gumbo cook-off at St. Joseph Abbey, I believe. It is, it is. So we'll be there on Saturday, um, and we have all the winners from around the state, um, two from each diocese, cooking. um, And so we have all our diocesan administrators and diocesan uh, district deputies and other state leaders coming in for our uh, uh, biannual family meeting. And so, yeah, we'll be having some good gumbo and tasting that. So we're excited about it. Um, it's always a good time. You participate then, uh, in that? Are you a, you consider yourself a, a cook or a chef? I, I have. Um, I, you know, it's edible. I wouldn't say it's a winner, but... <laughs> I haven't had anyone get sick from my gumbo. Well, that's is, good. You know, I haven't done it since I've been a state officer because I didn't think it was fair. Um, so, uh, but but yeah, I enjoy cooking gumbo and jambalaya and all that. So, well, um, well, that's good. And all my recipes, all my recipes are for five hundred or more. So, I <laughs> oh, well, there. You, well, when when you do cook it, let us know. We'll be glad to partake in that. I will. Huh. But we've got some events coming up on Saturday, December 17th. Uh, they're having a breakfast with Santa at the St. Jane Hall. Um, it's the St. Jane de Chantal Catholic Church in Abita Springs from uh, 8.15 with the breakfast starting at 8.30. So we'd encourage everyone to go out. That's sponsored by Council 12529. And you can get more information on the Facebook page or go to the Louisiana State Council Facebook page. I think we've got a link there. And also on the 17th, you know, your your group that you like, the Knights on Bikes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be participating in the National Wreaths Across America Day. Wow. And so we'll be uh, splitting up. Some of us are going to the Southeast Louisiana Veterans Cemetery, and some are going to the Chalmette National Cemetery uh, to lay wreaths on the graves. Um, and so that's always a moving experience, and I enjoy participating uh, in the wreaths across America. That's a so, that's a nice campaign that you guys have. Shalmat, you'll be in my neck of the woods where I grew up. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, hoping we have some of the helicopters fly over. Sometimes we have the Blackhawks, and uh, you know my oh, niece cool. flies the Blackhawk for the National Guard over there. So maybe she'll be flying one of them. So okay, um, that's cool. I'm looking, looking forward to that. Um, Before we wrap up, I want to make sure that uh, we mention, because it's really not too early to let everyone know about the uh, KC State Retreat that you guys will be having at Luna Christie uh, Center, uh, Retreat Center in uh, Shriver. Yes, that's January 20 to 22nd. Um, and it's at the, Christ, the Lumen Christie Retreat Center. And um, any KC a member can get information from the Louisiana State Council website. So encourage any gentleman over the age of 18 or older who is Catholic to think about joining the Knights of Columbus. We'd love to have you. 
Man, I, I was going to ask you about that real quick. How are you guys doing on membership? I counted yesterday because I saw the long list of all the councils. And in the 275-plus councils in the state of Louisiana, wow. you guys have a big membership. What's the total number as we wrap up, uh, Eric? Oh, goodness. I don't know. We've, yeah. um, we've added more. Uh, we're doing very well on membership. Uh, I think we're reaching a lot of people uh, that we didn't reach before. Um, and so uh, next time I'll have a number for you, I'll okay. get with our membership chairman and find out what our total numbers are. But, uh, yeah, we'd encourage everyone to, to join. And to do that, what's the uh, website? You can go to uh, louisianakc.org. Uh, and there's a button there to join us, and it'll take you to uh, the online membership. Um, so it's very easy to do it uh, online. Okay. Well, good. Eric Miller, State Advocate for the Louisiana State Council of the Knights of Columbus. Don't go away. We've got more on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 2nd. Today we celebrate Blessed Raphael Chalinski. Born in 1694, Melchior Chalinski showed early signs of religious devotion. After completing his studies and military duties, he joined the conventual Franciscans in Krakow, receiving the name Raphael or Raphael, and was ordained in 1717. It was a vulnerable time for Poland, still recovering from the Thirty Years' War and surrounded by countries intent on invasion. Father Raphael served the weary people through his simple and candid sermons, his generosity, and in particular, his ministry in the confessional. People from all levels of society were drawn to the self-sacrificing way he lived out his religious profession and priestly ministry. When a major epidemic hit Warsaw, he ministered to its victims and listened to the confessions of many dying persons. The partition of Poland put a stop to the process for his beatification, which was begun not long after his death in 1741. When it finally took place in 1991, Pope John Paul II said in his homily, May Blessed Raphael remind us that every one of us, even though we are sinners, has been called to love and to holiness. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Good morning. It is 19 minutes after the hour on Wake Up. I'm Alicia Quibido with Gabby Smith and Damian Collado. It is First Friday. If you are in the Baton Rouge area and want to stop by our Baton Rouge offices at 11924 Sunray Avenue, we would love to pray with you. We will pray the rosary right after Wake Up, so a few minutes after 8. We have Hot River Road coffee and some very fresh uh, treats from the Heavenly Donut this morning, so stop by and pray with us. We are joined this morning by Claudia McAdam. She is a Catholic award-winning author. Uh, she writes children's children's books, books for uh, kids and for teens. Good morning, Claudia. Good morning. So nice to be with you. Uh, we love it. having you. It's great to have you back with us. You have authored more than two dozen books. Uh, they're faith-based titles uh, for kids to learn about their faith, their Catholic faith. And this new one, The Christmas Light, is fabulous. So uh, you want to jump right into us? And let's talk about the premise of The Christmas Light. Thank you so much. This story takes place 
at the birth of Jesus. It's about the daughter of the Bethlehem innkeeper. She, it's Christmas Eve. She's cold and cranky in her crowded home. And, and she's just annoyed as can be because she's up in the loft with her little sister who keeps putting her cold feet on this girl's bare leg. And, and she's just had, had it. So she creeps downstairs and she opens the door to look across the lane at their stable where she knows this young couple is staying and she hears the babies cry. Oh. And she figures, oh my, if I'm cold, that family must be freezing. So she goes to their fireplace and lights an oil lamp and takes it across the lane to the Holy Family. So she brings them light for warmth. And what, when she's there, the Blessed Mother invites her to come closer to meet the Christ child, oh. just as she does with us in yes. our lives. And this young girl, whose name is Serafina, which means fiery or burning, mm-hmm. she meets the Lord Jesus and has an encounter that changes her mood and changes her life. Oh my goodness, that is beautiful. What what inspired you to write this book, Claudia? You know, ever since I was a child, I always wondered what would it be like to be alive when Jesus walked this earth. Mm-hmm. There were other people who interfaced with him, others than we read about in sacred scripture, everyday people. And I thought, how about children? There were children in Bethlehem, we know that. Yes. And would a child have come in contact with Jesus and what would his or her experience have been? And when I write for kids, I love to make my characters about the age of my young readers mm-hmm. so that my readers can put, the, put on the sandals, so to speak, yes. of those historic characters and have an experience through their eyes. I love it. I love it. So, so in a way, is a Serafina Claudia? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> Claudia wishes she was Serafina, but in, in, a way, in a way, yes, in that hopefully Serafina is all of us because our life is one way, and when we meet Jesus, it is completely different and so much better. So hopefully, yes. Yeah, that is, it, it's such a beautiful story. Claudia, talk about the importance of having these kinds of books, this book in particular, in your home library to read with or to your children. You know, St. Ignatius of Loyola developed his spiritual exercises and his method of contemplation where you enter into a gospel story with your mind and you see and feel and hear and taste and smell what it might have been like to have been there, because St. Ignatius said that God can use our imagination to converse with us. Mm-hmm. And as we know, children are expert at doing just that. I mean, who hasn't had a kid pick up a, a long stick and say, this is my sword, get your sword, and yes. let's have a battle, you know. <laughs> they, they are expert at using their imagination. Mm-hmm. And so having books in the home, I think, is critical. There, there's an author by the name of Mary Jo Putney, She said, what one loves in childhood stays in the heart forever. And hopefully what we love in childhood are stories about our Lord. And that would be ingrained in us and stay with us forever. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So so what are some ways in addition to to reading your wonderful book, The Christmas Light? It is published, by the way, by Sophia Institute Press. Uh, what are some ways that parents can help their children uh, draw closer to Christ during this beautiful Advent season? You know, the church asks all of us to do three things, and it's actually the same three things we do during Lent. Mm-hmm. Pray, fast, and give alms. We're asked to do that during Advent, too. And I think sometimes 
we forget that. Yes. And so a good way, there, I have three ways that, that families can do that with their children. Prayer, read um, the opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke, the nativity story. Have kids act the story out if they'd like. That's using their imagination and creativity to the tops. Mm-hmm. And then pray together, for example, just pray a decade of the rosary, the the joyous, the joyful mysteries, the nativity, the third joyful mystery is a perfect one. Little, even little kids can do 10 Hail Marys. Oh, yes. And then fa- fasting, you might want to give up meat on Fridays, mm-hmm. you know, even year round to do that, yes. or to avoid doing a particular outing and save that money, maybe go to the grocery store, buy nutritious food that you can donate to your local food bank. And kids that way can be hands-on with understanding there's poverty in our world still today as there was in Jesus's time. And that almsgiving then can be in the form of money, but it doesn't have to be. Kids can do good deeds. And a a practice I love to encourage is to have children write on a little slip of paper the good deed they do, like made my bed without being asked or did the dishes or shoveled snow from the sidewalk or whatever it is, and use those strips of paper either to cushion the manger Mm -hmm. for Jesus's coming or the the floor of the stable so that their good deeds are evident there as their act of almsgiving. I love that. That's such a beautiful idea and such a wonderful visual uh, for children. Uh, my kids, when, and I'm trying to remember now, first grade maybe, uh, my son was sent home with all these pre-cut little pieces of paper uh, to make the the hay for the Christ child uh, with all of his, his good deeds and good intentions. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that that's such a wonderful <laughs> visual uh, for children. That's great advice, Claudia. Thank you. I had forgotten about that. I'm so glad you reminded us. Another thing our, our, our family likes to participate in during Lent or during Advent uh, is is the angel tree at church or giving in some way uh, for someone. I think for children, uh, they don't often realize that not everyone experiences Christmas the way they do. Um, And Uh, so I think you're exactly right. So it's just, a, it's a wonderful, uh, and it's so much fun to shop for others and, and to think about what the other person may need as uh, someone that you mm-hmm. don't even know. So uh, mm-hmm. you also have a discussion and activity guide for this precious book, The Christmas Light. Tell us more about that, Claudia. For each of my picture books, I write such a guide that is available by request at my website, which is Claudia McAdam, that's M-C-A-D-A-M.com. And it's a dozen pages or so of things like mazes or word searches or a coloring page, those types of activities, along with questions about the story and about how children can incorporate what they might learn in that story in their own lives. So I I love to make that available. I do lots of school visits, either online or in person, to, to further that understanding of how you can take the nativity story and make it your own. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Claudia, you offer free author visits. Tell us about that. I'm not that familiar with an author visit. I love to go to schools. I just did one a couple weeks ago. And, and, you know, during COVID, I did a lot of Zoom calls. And I still do Zoom with, you know, book clubs or homeschooling groups or even schools that want, you know, that aren't in my geographic area where I can make presentations. My books are all on on PowerPoint so I can share those with classrooms and read the story and then talk about the virtues that are drawn from 
the actions of the characters in mm-hmm. my stories. And, and then the, it's open, you know, Q&A, kids can ask whatever they want. And How it's fun. a great way to connect with my readers. That is so fun. I love that. What a wonderful, uh, uh, that free free gift that you're offering people. Let our listeners know, we're, we're talking to Claudia McAdam about her new children's book, The Christmas Light. Claudia, let our listeners know where they can find a copy. It's available through the publisher, sophiainstitute.com, or at any online retailer, or if you have a good Catholic bookstore where you live, go in and ask for it. If they don't have it, they can order it for you. So it's, it's very easy to get. That's wonderful. And plenty of time to get it before Christmas. Uh, Claudia, let our listeners know also where they can learn more about you and about all your other wonderful books. At my website, ClaudiaMcAdam.com, I have book trailers, so 90-second little videos about each of my books, so people can, can click on that and get a preview of the book and get a chance to look at the beautiful illustrations. The, cat, the Christmas light is illustrated by uh, a man who's of Russian descent, lives in the Holy Land, wow. Igor Koviar, and wow. you can get an idea of the scope of the book by going to ClaudiaMcAdam.com and just looking at the book trailer that's there. Wow, that's wonderful. And Gabby will put uh, both your website and Sophia Institute website in the comment section of our Facebook live video this morning. Claudia, we could talk to you the entire hour. It's always so fun to visit with you. This is such a beautiful uh, book. I encourage our listeners. I don't even think you need to be a, a child to have this book. What do you think? Well, hopefully not. I, I write what I consider to be family books. And I know families, I had a big signing on on Sunday at our church, and they told me, oh, I got that book. And I put this in my Christmas box, and we pull it out every year, one of my previous books. And I'm like, great, here's a new one. That's (laughs) awesome. Claudia McAdams, so great visiting with you. Uh, Stick around. Father Jacob Dumont joins us to talk about finding God in tragedy. It's half past the hour on Wake Up. is 35 past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Damian Collado. Our next guest is Father Jacob Dumont. He is the local superior for the Legionaries of Christ over in Cincinnati, Ohio. Good morning, Father Jacob. Thanks so much for being with us today. Good morning, Gabby. How are you doing? Great to hear from you again. I am, <laughs> yes, good to hear from you, too. A fun fact, Father Jacob and I have been knowing each other since I was at LSU, and he actually celebrated my wedding mass, so he is very near and dear to my heart, and he's very near and dear to the hearts of many on the North Shore in Louisiana. And Father Jacob, uh, when I came to you with this topic, uh we had a lot of people look at your posts on social media because you spent a lot of time in Covington, Mandeville, over in that area at the Legionaries of Christ. Uh, so tell us a little bit, you know, we're seeing the news unfold. Um, it's been quite devastating, really disturbing. A lot of us have known um, a lot of the families who were affected, um, Father Otis. It's really hard to talk about for a lot of people. But going through tragedy, confusion, and loss how do we navigate something like this, Father Jacob, especially when we have been close to the people affected? Yes, it's, it's never easy. And I think the first step is always prayer. And, you know, during this time of Advent, we're invited by the church and by Christ himself. He who is going to come uh, to us at Christmas assures us 
uh, of his presence among us, that he comes to be with us. And I think it's during these times, uh, first of all, that we do need to take a uh, step back from our busy lives and give God um, a little extra time to pray, to reflect, to ask for his help, to ask for his consolation, to know that he's there for us personally, but also for um, you know, Father uh, Otis's family for the community there at St. Peter's, um, that the Lord is there to strengthen them. And, you know, it's definitely not easy to speak, um, you know, sometimes about details or to kind of, you know, we don't have all the information and, you know, it's not easy to approach someone that, you know, may have been uh, going through a difficult time because of just hearing the news or to be afraid of, you know, their own situation. It's like, you know, the North Shore, we always thought the North Shore was pretty safe up here, you know, and, and then you're like some of these things going on. And so that there's a lot of, I think, fears, there's a lot of um, anxiety sometimes, even remorse, you know, what if, you know, I had said something or had, you know, maybe mentioned something I had seen. And yet in, in these moments, I think it is important to, uh, realize that, um, well, you know, I think as we've seen in the gospel uh, passage, um, up, you know, the gospel passages in the liturgy up into the feast of Christ the King, you know, we hear kind of about the end times. We hear about, you know, the judgment uh, we'll have at the end of our lives. And, you know, I think in the case of both, you know, Father uh, Otis, who I knew very well, and Ruth Pratt, they were very generous um people who gave their lives to the service of the church, to the service of others, to the service of God. And, you know, when you uh, reflect a little bit on their life, you know, it's tragic how their life came to such a quick end. But at the same mm -hmm. time, it's also very beautiful to see and reflect on, you know, the goodness of their life. And, you know, and I think that's something that um, we need to realize and, um, you know, also have great hope is knowing Know, yes, death is very tragic, it's very difficult, but death is not the end. It's the beginning of eternal life, right? And, and so even though mm -hmm. you know, it's very hard to lose them personally, you know, the, the great um, presence that we had with them, the friendships, um, especially when it's a family member, you know, any loss is mm -hmm. so difficult in the moment. Um, but it's also so important, I think, to reflect on, um, you know, the goodness of their lives, to know that, um, you know, when we live a good life, I think as these two, you know, both live very loving lives, very generous lives, that we know, well, that they're, you know, God willing with the Lord. And so we pray, especially for, you know, their soul. We pray for their families that are going through, you know, this difficult time of loss. Um, but I do believe that it's important, you know, not to be afraid to speak, you know, in that sense, about death, right? Not to be afraid to speak about sometimes these difficult themes, um, because I think it can help us to go deeper, right? In our relationship mm -hmm. with the Lord, it can help us to go deeper. Um, and, you know, in a sense too, processing, um, you know, some of these difficult themes, right? So that we don't get blocked, right? What the devil mm -hmm. would want is that we, we, we do tense up, that we, we start to shut down, we, that we get caught up in fears or in, um, you know, isolation and kind of shutting ourselves off, right? Like maybe even, um, you know, not wanting to deal with it and, and not going there, right? And, and that could actually maybe cause the opposite effect, right, of maybe distancing us from God. But it's these moments that we need to go to Him, 
and to know that there are so many people that are there for us, right? There's so many people that are ready and willing to help us take those steps, you know, and I, I heard um, that it was uh, just, I think, a couple of days after the news came out that they had some people, some priests, some um, counselors that were available at St. Yeah. Peter's, you know, I think that's so awesome mm-hmm. to see, right, because people mm-hmm. need uh, the, an opportunity to be able to speak, right, to be able to process, um, you know, what they've seen and gone through. Absolutely. And I've also been seeing at different parishes in the Archdiocese, there have been counselors uh, there as well. I was texting one of my priest friends over in the Archdiocese, just seeing how he was doing, because he was also close to Father Otis. And he was saying how difficult it was for him that he hasn't even had a chance, because so many parishioners have gone up to him, he hasn't had a chance to really process what's going on. Um, We all process things so differently. Father Jacob, any advice on where we can start that healing, what can we do? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say um, we are all very different, right? And and also that the process itself, whenever we have a tragedy in our lives, um, you know, often the process can even be different. And sometimes it's almost mm-hmm. denial, like this couldn't be happening, right? <laughs> you know, almost even disbelief, like that we still haven't fully accepted it, right? And and yet we we need to start taking those steps to um, realize, okay, this is, you know, this has happened, this is real, you know, to acknowledge our emotions, right? How this has affected us, um, you know, and, and, and again, not to, um, in a sense, be afraid to go there, right, to address some of these issues. And, you know, definitely reaching out to someone that they trust, someone that you trust, right, to have those conversations, you know, with um, a friend, with a family member, uh, with a priest, with a counselor, you know, someone that uh, you can, that can help you kind of speak things through, right? And all of us Mm -hmm. do process differently. Some of us need a little more time to reflect and, um, kind of have some personal time to process it in, in our own hearts and our own minds. But then some of us maybe are more verbal. I'm a more verbal processor, so <laughs> I need to, like, speak to someone, right? I need to yeah. uh, articulate it. And it's when I'm starting to speak it out that it helps me to, um, you know, come to a deeper understanding, to clarify things in my own mind, right? And, and so it's kind of knowing ourselves a little bit better, but then also having, especially someone we trust that we can speak to in confidence and know mm-hmm. that we're being heard and know that someone's there to support us as well and that we're not alone. Yeah. Father Jacob, before we let you go, uh, may we ask for a priestly blessing from you? We have about a minute left. Okay, sure. Well, Lord God, we thank you for uh, really the, these little moments we've had together this morning, maybe just to take one extra step in assimilating uh, these difficult uh, tragedies that have happened this past week. We know that during Advent, uh, you invite us to uh, into that mystery of your coming uh, among us as Emmanuel, God with us. And we thank you for such a great gift that of your physical presence in our lives, that you are here for us. You give us your Eucharist to be with us. Um, We thank you for your church, who uh, the mystical body, both here on earth as well as in heaven, so many um, souls that are praying for us that are there to support us through this time. So we ask that you 
and your Heavenly Mother continue to watch over us, and that Almighty God bless each one of us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Jacob Dumont, local superior for the Legionaries of Christ. Stay with us. It's 45 past the hour on Wake Up. And another good morning to you as we move right along 12 minutes before the top of the hour. So glad you're joining us on this Friday, the second day of December. Wow, it's moving fast. And with us right now is Alexandra Greeley. She writes about food and faith for the National Catholic Register. And she's also with us this morning to talk about a book entitled Catholics in the Kitchen, Nurturing the Bond Between Faith and Food. And food is always one of my primary topics and interests, as well as faith for that matter. Alexandra, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me on. Well, glad to have you. And uh, so what inspired you to write about the book? More importantly, what I like about it is you, you take it and divide it up into three sections. We learn stories about farmers and cooking and their faith, priests, and also chefs and cooks. And I like the fact that you threw in cooks with those chefs. But you share with us uh, <laughs> how you came about the book. It's, um, I, I used to teach cooking classes at my former parish in Chantilly, Virginia, and it inspired my first cookbook, which is Cooking with the Saints. But this seemed to follow up because um, many that, uh, everyone that's in the book I have interviewed for the National uh, Catholic Register. My editor there gave me permission to follow up with them for a detailed book, mm-hmm. which uh, was wonderful because they've all been exciting people to interview. They're devout Catholics, and they're wonderful cooks, every one of them. It appears to be. Off. You know what I found as a common thread, almost with all the stories, is the fact that they grew up watching mom or someone like mom cooking in the kitchen. Yes, and that seems to be the whole family dinner, cooking from scratch, all seems to be fading away in our current society, which is very sad, and I hope people get inspired to go back and do their own cooking. Don't go out and buy fast food and already prepared food. Sit down and enjoy dinner with your family. Talk to to your family. Make them feel part of you. Alexandra, you you make a good point. You know, we we have a tendency to just keep moving right along and and look for convenient ways to get things done. But guess what? We all know that's not the most nutritional way to feed our family. And secondly, we lose the sight of the connection between the talk and the eating that goes along with it. And and you, you, you kind of address that in the book. Well, yes, and it's a great time to not only discuss what you've been doing during the day, but to also talk about your faith to pr- promote uh, Catholicism, to mm-hmm. promote going to church, to promote loving other people, to know, uh, pr- helping other people. And that's part of what our faith should be, is to help others, to be it, charitable and kind. Exactly. And in fact, you talked to uh, James Ennis, who you dedicated the book to, which in, and he's in the first, he's the first chapter, the first one you talked to. I knew nothing about this gentleman until I read the chapter, and uh, he, he spearheads Catholic rural life. But boy, share with our listeners his story, if you can, briefly, because it's very inspiring, and boy, is he doing good work now. Oh, he is doing good work. I have known him for a number of years, and I've interviewed him before. 
and I've had him come out. We used to have uh, farm dinners um, before the pandemic, but the, the parish, and he came in with a guest speaker. But what he does is to uh, inspire rural farmers to, well, not only become Catholic, he also you know, goes out to them and he takes a, a priest along and they bless the land. And he is a very a wonderful cook himself. And he is so devoted to you know, bringing back nutritional food, you know, uh, food, uh, farm raised without chemicals and animals that are, you know, eating uh, on the on open land. He's a very, uh, very basically good Catholic man, who very devout, very devout, which is why I, I dedicated the book to him, because for him, it's all about food and faith. That's that's what he does mm-hmm. in a Catholic royal life. He's yeah. A, um, He's inspired a lot of farmers to go back to their job and not just run into the city and, you know, work in an office somewhere to go back and be farmers again. That's that's a wonderful yeah, attribute. Yeah, without them, there is no cooking, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, food, me. no, we might be able to boil water, but that's about it. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, I, I and again, it's it's inspiring to see Catholics who are making an impact on our daily lives, both their faith with food, and I just think there's so, it's such a great connection. You have a section about priest. Uh, what, what's your favorite priest cooking story? Um. Uh, there, there were many of them. Well, the ones that I featured were uh, also had television shows too. But my well, my favorite priest. He's not in this book, but he's um, he let me do the cooking classes at Saint Veronica. But my, I guess all my priests are very favorite. They're they're wonderful <laughs> people. They're devout. Father Leo was one of the most interesting ones. He did a cooking demo at my former parish, and I was allowed to stand in the you know kitchen and help him do the prep the meal for the parishioners and he is a very inspiring priest and a a fantastic cook i mean he cooks and and prays all the time he's been on ewtn and you know he's written several books he's a fantastic priest yes and he's one of my favorites Right, and he's a little animated to go along with it, which which makes it fun too. The uh, you you have two of our local favorites, actually. In fact, one of the priests, Father Malasa, from the Saint Martinville area in South Louisiana. Uh, oh yes, oh, yeah. he's one of my favorite priests too. Well, <laughs> I thought that might be who you mentioned since he's a Cajun. Oh, but uh, <laughs> I should be. I thought, yes, he's wonderful too. Yes, he is. And, uh, and and at the same time, we had the Catholic foodie, Jeff Young. You've got a, a, a story and also a chapter on uh, Chef John Foltz, who's a very good friend to Catholic Community Radio and helps us with fundraising events. Uh, really some great stories, some good recipes to go along with it. The one thing that was missing, you didn't say which Catholic was in the kitchen with Dinah. I don't know. I don't know if you. I think that 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 needs to be added somewhere along the way. If you if you do a reprint, I didn't realize, but there's a Catholic in the kitchen with Dinah. We find you. You remember that song, Alicia? Or you're not old enough. I do. I remember. Yeah. I remember. They always said someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Someone's in the kitchen. I know. Now I know it was someone who was Catholic, and that's beautiful. <laughs> Or anything you would like to add, Alexandra, before we go, because the the beautiful part is, and I don't want to make light of it, but the Mass, that is in itself where we come to to share the body and blood of Christ. Absolutely. Um, 
Of course, I couldn't write about the Eucharist in this, but I think mm-hmm. that we have to take the food as the Eucharist as, that God is giving us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we eat it, but the Eucharist is our spiritual food, but the real food that we cook is our, our body food. And without that, we would not be alive. We have to thank God for providing the, the nutrients that keep us going. And the Eucharist that uh, blesses our soul, brings our spirit to God. Yes. And that's, you know, our, and and we're, our bodies are all temples, so we need to take care of them and, and feed our bodies accordingly. Alexandra Greeley, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for the book, Catholics in the Kitchen, uh, Nurturing the Bond Between Faith and Food. I recommend everyone get it because it's very entertaining. You're a great writer, and the stories are thank wonderful. You. And I don't want to make—there's a recipe in at the end of each chapter. And so uh, my favorite, the one I'm going to try, is the one with— uh, Creole chicken and cornbread. That's yeah. one that I put that at the top of my yeah, list. So, Alexandra, have a good weekend, go young lady. Thank you so much. Go home and cook. Go home. Yeah, that's right. Go to church. Get out those pots and pans. There you go. All right. Yeah. What a week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And her book is published by Tan, right? Uh, Tan Publishing. Yes, Tan Publishing. Mm-hmm. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, send down your Holy Spirit to guide me during Advent this year. May the Holy Spirit help me in my journey to get closer to you and to lift me up when I feel down and lead me when I lose my way. I may stumble at times, but I know my ultimate journey is to draw closer to you and build your kingdom here on earth. We ask this through Christ our Lord, amen. amen. In the name of the Father, amen. Son, Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Radio.